series has been a lot of fun uh, called Wisdom of the Ages. And we're looking at all the different uh, generations that make up really the culture we live in and that make up uh, our church family here at True North. And we're just reflecting on every generation has unique wisdom to share. Uh, the generations, somebody said to me the other day, how do they determine generations? And it's always, you know, when researchers look at these things, they look at the different kind of social factors, the major world events, the, you know, economic realities, all the different events going on in culture. Uh, we all, the, the world we grow up in uh, tends to form us in a lot of our values, the ways we view the world, see the world. And so every generation sort of uh, uniquely also, when we apply that to faith, has some unique understandings of, of the scriptures. So today, we, we started with the builder generation. You know, that's the, the, most, the, the oldest end of our, our generation and family. We looked at the boomers last week. And now this week, we're going all the way to the youngest generation. That, come on. Yeah, who's excited for Gen Z? Listen, let me tell you something. If you got excited for your generation and can't get excited for another generation, then uh, go repent and come back. All right, so, but here's the, here's the fun thing about Generation Z. This is the youngest generation. The years they were born, uh, to give you a flip, so we are, we're skipping uh, millennials and Gen X. We're going to do millennials next week if you know millennials. Who loves millennials? Come on. See, you should have been cheering for Gen Z, people. And, um, and then we're going to do Gen X last because if you don't know, Gen X, they always kind of get forgotten and overlooked, and that's why they're so bitter and angry. Anyway, um, so <laughs> I'm a kind of Gen X. Anyway, um, uh, 97 to 2012. Gen, so who's Gen Z? And this is the newest kind of demographic. Uh, researchers, this last 6, 12 months, identify them as a distinct kind of generation, 15, most generational kind of groups, cohorts, are about 15 years. They're, they're today, they are seven years old to 22 years old. Now, some of the time as well, you might be somewhere in that range or uh, if you're a younger person and you, and you sort of, you know, the thing about all generations, they're more a continuum. There's no hard, fast line, but they're ways of kind of looking that are helpful at the world. So, but I thought this is the easiest thing. Uh, uh, how many people are not Gen Z in this room? Raise your hands. Get them up nice and high. And, and do me a favor and don't, yeah, hold them up. I mean, I tried to count earlier how many people were not jumping, but I didn't have a chance. Okay, so, um, <laughs> we got, hey, I got jokes, I got jokes. And um, so, uh, what we're going to do, I want, I'm so glad, so you're here, you may be like me. I spent a lot of this last week really trying to get to know this generation. To, and so, as with every younger generation coming up, they always develop their own language. And a key to understanding any group of people is always to understand their language. So, if you don't yet familiar fully with Gen Z, I brought a little video where you can learn to speak Gen Z. Does that sound good? Are you excited? So if you got grandkids or kids or people you know that are Gen Z, uh, we've got, do we have that? Is that back there? Do we got, give me a thumbs up. All right. Have a look at this. It'll, it'll help you kind of orientate to who this crew is. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Carl. <laughs> So it seems like every other week, the kiddos of Generation Z seem to come out with new slang terms that quite frankly confuse the rest of us older generations. So the goal today is to learn how to speak some of that Gen Z lingo. And joining me today on how to translate some phrases is our favorite spokesperson for the Gen Z kids, my cousin Brock. Say hello, Brock. Brock, say hello. Stop. All right, let's get started. You guys have the Wi-Fi password? All right, Brock. We're going to start with some simple ones. Yeah. Okay. Hello. How are you? Saw. Friends. 
Fam. Family. Fam jam. It was a fun event. The fest was lit. Okay. I'm about to leave. I'm finna dip set. Those are some neat shoes. Them kicks are dripping. I would be glad to help. Bet. My favorite team lost. Dudes took an L. My favorite team lost very bad. Dudes got clapped. He seems upset. He little mad. He seems very upset. He big mad. I like this music. That's a bop. I'm not lying. No cap. I'm sorry that happened to you. Oof. That's an interesting statement. Weird flex, but okay. I'm not a fan of these appetizers. These apps are booty. I completely agree with that statement. Facts. I agree. Yeet yeet. Excuse me. Yeet. Wow, that's exciting news. Yeet. Congratulations on your baby boy. Yeet. What does yeet even mean? Yeet is yeet. That doesn't help. It's like when fam comes slipping in with their dripping swag, jumping to some sick bop. And no cap, you know these facts are about to be a litty fresh to death. You're like, oh, I'm not big mad at that bitty response. Yeet. I don't get it. Weird flex, but okay. <laughs> I, I don't know. Hey, right, so hopefully that's helpful. Hopefully that's helpful to you if you need to communicate. Try it out. Try eating a sentence this week. See how you go. Um, and, you know, go from there. Now, listen, here is uh, uh, what we're going to do to kind of get started. See, the thing about, as I said, every generation, uh, they're all formed by certain things. And here's the thing. What, here's what often happens, and every generation kind of experiences this. Uh, when a younger generation comes along, uh, whoever's older gets to be like, man, you guys are messing everything up. Like, you really, like, gosh, these guys are just stuck in their phones, and they, like, they talk weird, and they, um, and what's with that, and why, you know, like, get your head up, can't you talk to humans, and stuff like that. And it's real easy for older generations to kind of stereotype or to sort of look down. And so what, what I, I, I want us to see, you know, today, and hopefully I kind of just gives you a, a picture start is to go, you know what, for uh, one of the things that, that we can do as a family is try and understand the wisdom of each generation. And so that may make sense to us when we think about like an older generation. Of course, there's wisdom to be found and gleaned there. But I want every one of us who's older than this crowd to wrap our minds around that there's some things that they uniquely get about faith that we might have missed in our experiences of life. And so we're going to look a little bit, just to give you a little feel, here's the thing about uh, Generation Z, they live, all of us experience, I want to start by just giving you, here's what the world is like that they were born into. Now, it's the world that you and I occupy if you're older than this generation. We are in this world, but this is the world they were born into and are growing up with, and so they experience it quite differently uh, in lots of ways than we do. Things that are kind of helpful to realize, there's sort of five defining characteristics of Gen Z. First is this, they're digital integrators. Uh, most of us, you know, one of the original kind of words for this generation was digital natives. Uh, if you're, they were 10 years old, the, the, the youngest of them, or the oldest rather, was 10 years old, 2007, when the first iPhone came out. So everyone in this generation and then below has gone through uh, their preteen years, their teenage years, 
in the world of smartphones, which have obviously totally radically uh, changed uh, life. They are social networkers. They're connected because you can be constantly connected. Uh, they're constantly connected, all kinds uh, of social networks, whether you're using all the different platforms and things like that. Uh, that means this generation, uh, uh, you know, is like kind of growing up in this world uh, of just sitting there kind of, you know, this is like they're always connected in the amount of hours that, that they spend on phones. That, that is a big part of their life. And so it can be like a real, the thought of not being connected or not knowing what's out there uh, can be a, a challenge at times. Uh, they are uh, global collaborators. I have a, a video real quick. Do we have that video? Is that accessible? Well, I want you to see, this was uh, last year. Our family went on a, a trip to Greece. We were connecting with some other ministry couples for a few weeks. And I want you just to see, this is a little snapshot of the world, a quick uh, dance battle that, that took place one night in the middle of Athens. Um, faster, faster. This is Levi, my son. <laughs> <laughs> now, this battle, so you see this boy there in the blue. This is my son, Levi. That was a dance battle with our, our, our new friend, Imran, who's from Barbados. Looking on uh, in the distance was a guy named Marlon from Brazil, and there was another little boy who was from Greece we bumped into at this kind of street party in Athens. That boy didn't even speak English. We didn't speak Greek. They all got together and are dancing and having a good time doing the same dance, the floss. And this is the world, that, because one of the defining uh, features is this is a group of people who are living in a globally connected and globally collaborating world. You think about the floss. Now, everybody on your feet, we're going to learn the floss real quick. Just up real quick. Just up real quick. Just up real quick. Just real quick. We're all going to learn it. It's going to be great. Don't worry. Look, stretch first because we don't have insurance. You know what? Second thought. Sit back down. Sit back down. We are, not, we are not learning the floss. We are not learning the floss. I just am really enjoying the pained look on your faces, and I apologize for that, but it was just, I wish you could see it up here. Like, I know you feel like you're watching TV or something like he can't see me can he but I can and it was just a lot of fun but what is just amazing just think about this for a moment the world so Levi he's part of this generation he's eight years old this is a world that didn't used to exist you can have a connection because of the global connectedness of this world they're growing up the same dances you could do the floss anywhere you want in the world Kids are going to know it. Speak the same language. Don't. They're growing up in a globally connected world that none of us uh, experience. We experience it a little bit now, but this is normal for them. You know, this generation globally makes up 30% of the world's population. It's the largest generation in Australia today. There are more Gen Zs than any other generation. As we look at all the different age groups, there are more of this than any other. Let that sink in for a moment. And they are 30% of the world's population. That world's population, one of the things now is kids can have, they often have more in common with uh, other people of the same generation. Doesn't matter if they're from Greece, Philippines, South America. They will have almost more in common because globally, those kids have more in common with each other than they might of someone from their same generation, potentially, who's of a different generation. Same culture, but different generation. It's really unique dynamic that's happening in our world right now. And then the fourth thing that's going to define this is they are lifestyle adapters. You know, over their 
lives compared to especially other previous generations, they will have 17 jobs, five careers, and probably 15 homes in a lifetime. Their lives will change constantly. Uh, most of us are seeing all the time the statistics about, you know, a third of jobs today will be gone in 20 years, and most of the jobs they'll do haven't even been invented yet. They have got to be uh, quick and good uh, at adaptation. It's changing learning styles, what preparation uh, for things looks like. And then lastly, they are sensory engagers. You know, you think for a moment about how much all of their senses are constantly engaged. Anybody play Pokemon Go here? We, um... <laughs> Enough said. So the, um, the, that was so awesome. Um, Pokemon Go, I'll give you a little picture in case someone's never seen or heard of this. Uh, Pokemon Go is what allows something like this to happen. So you see, that's a Rattata. Uh, am I right? Am I, does anybody, is that, what, is that it? Rattata, Rattata, attacking my son Levi in our house. Uh, and frankly, I didn't even know it was there. But this is, think about this, in terms of their sensory, their whole world is full of sensory experience, touching phones, moving things. Uh, Pokemon Go brought augmented reality uh, into, so now even their experience of reality is like digital things can be a part of it. Their world that they're going to, we see this, but they are, now imagine if this is the world you grow up in, your experience of the world starts to feel very different. Uh, and it, it's all you know, and we all only know the world that we kind of grew up in, but they are used to uh, amazing uh, and sort of like almost overload uh, of sensory types of things. So here is what, so this is, if, if they, you know, when you think about what it means then to be growing up in a world where it's digital integrators, social networks, global collaborators, lifestyle adapters, sensory engagers, is there, there are things that this experience in lots of ways has allowed them to uniquely grasp about and is forming even the younger ones as they come about what faith looks like and here are some of the things so I want to share with you a few things I think these are true for all of us uh, but these guys kind of get it in unique ways and I've got uh, a, a, as an ode to uh, Generation Z uh, I'm going to just give you my message in the form of memes today. Would that be okay? Are you familiar with memes? Raise your hand if you spend a lot of time looking at memes. Okay. All right. Pokemon Go crowd. Here we go. So, now, <laughs> here's the thing. Memes, if you don't know, are a huge form of communication. The word meme is about things that are going to get, uh, you know, spread culturally. Uh, the first phrase has been a long time ago, but they're huge. This is a huge way they communicate. You know, if, uh, if you're part of my generation, Generation X, uh, we like to quote movies. I could quote movies uh, all day, and a lot of the movies I quote would be 30 years old. Uh, this generation would be more likely to quote a meme, and that meme's probably done after a month. Is that a good shelf life? You know, maybe. So here's the thing, though. This is a really true reality, isn't it? So if you're kind of like when we're seven years old, like a lot of us in this room, like to kind of sound like Darth Vader talking into a fan was like, you know, that's entertainment. And then, but you think about kids, say iPhones, iPads, they can, they are constantly um, doing things, making things, you know, even say my son making a, a, a scene out of a, a picture with a certain game. Now, one of the things that I think they uniquely get 
uh, is this kind of principle, that God wants to be true for all of us. I think they get it in a, in a way that we haven't uh, always grasped as much. Genesis 2, God, this is part of the creation story. and says, now the Lord God had formed out of the ground all the wild animals, all the birds in the sky. And he brought them to the man to see what he would name them. And whatever the man called each living creature, that was its name. So the man gave names to all the livestock, the birds in the sky, and all the wild animals. Now I want you to think about this picture for a moment. You know what this is telling us? God has invited humanity, every one of us, not just the young children, every one of us in this room. God has invited us to play a part in the creative process in his world. Every one of us are called to continue the creative process and cultivation of this good world that God has placed us in. This is a picture of God. He forms all these animals. He forms man. He puts them in the garden. God makes it all, and he says it's good. It's very good. And then what's he say to humanity? Now, don't mess it up or leave it alone or don't touch it or don't change anything. I got it right the way I want it. No. The picture of God asking man to name the animals is a picture of God extending the invitation to humanity to continue the creative process. I made it. I made it all. It's really good. I want you to look after it and look over it. And you know what? Here you go. You name it. To name it is to speak something about it, what it is. And this is God inviting us to be part of the creative continuing process. You know, I, I, I saw this uh, meme, and I found it helpful for my own life. Yes, this is a scale to use on everything. If you can't read it, it says, boasting a guest verse from Dr. Dre, what classic 90s R&B hit features Blackstreet singing, I like the way you work it? A, no diggity. B, hardly any diggity. C, a fair amount of diggity. Or D, an overwhelming surplus of diggity. And I love the idea of using that as a scale to kind of measure things. You know, in fact, I would invite you today, uh, when you go out and perhaps are talking about the service, you could feel free uh, to use what you feel. You know, how was that? I don't know. It was kind of, you know, no diggity. But, or, you know, uh, hardly any diggity. Or, you know, you know what? There was an overwhelming surplus of diggity in that service, you know? And, but do you know why I love this? Because just think for a moment of what someone had to do with this. There was a song. It was made back in the 90s. It's probably one of the three best songs to come out of the 1990s. I'd say that's fair. Yes. Top three? Come on. Hip-hop, definitely. Anyway, um, uh, we'll argue later. So you have this song. It's part of someone created it and made it. Here we are years later, and what I love is not, look at all the pieces to this. Someone, it becomes a question on a game show someone made. Then someone takes a photo of it. Then someone decides, you know, this could be a scale for measuring how good things are in life. And a whole new piece of cultural kind of a, a way to interact is introduced into the human story. And to top it all off, it's funny. It makes you laugh. You know, this is the thing. Just know this. What God, the world God gives us, he doesn't say just take it as it is. He says take it and shape it. And every one of us is called to be a part of the creative process in this world. Not just some people, not just artistic people or musicians, or we sometimes think that's creative. No, God says, no, humanity, take it, name it, do something with it. 
I think this generation can remind us we're not called to just take the world as it is. We're called to take it and do something with it and make it better and greater. You know, the other thing I think is very cool about this generation this, this is kind of a, a, a picture that I think when you, I don't know if maybe people have seen it. Maybe you shouldn't wear ripped jeans to church. <laughs> maybe you should look up at Jesus and not up and down my outfit, Carol. You know, so that, the, the, um, this is me. Now, here's what I love about this. Every generation, you know, this is the thing. And some of you were, were here the first week. And here's the thing. We, we're going to look at the wisdom from every generation. And... and Every generation has wisdom to share, and the, the, the goal of this series is to see the wisdom in each generation. Now, think for a moment. When I, uh, when I came here today, I felt like uh, my grandmother is in heaven, like, um, uh, telling God, please stop him. Like, he's, a, he's about to wear a hat uh, and go. And now here's the thing. So there, we talked as well, you know, some in earlier generations, the way you dress going to church can be a sign of how you honor God and relate to him as king. And there's wisdom in that. And all of us should understand that. And there's something this generation gets as well. You know, Jesus in his in encounter with the woman at the well, one of the famous things he talks to her about is what it looks like to worship God in spirit and in truth. And Jesus, in the message, it comes across this way. He's talking about what worship looks like. He says, it's who you are and the way you live that count before God. Your worship must engage your spirit in the pursuit of truth. That's the kind of people the Father is out looking for. Those who are simply and honestly themselves before him in their worship. God is sheer being itself, spirit. And those who worship him must do it out of their very being, their spirits, their true selves in adoration. You know what I love? It would be easy for us as part of an older generation to think, man, they don't dress very nice. Their jeans are ripped. One of the beautiful things about this generation is they grasp the part of God that just says, just come to me just as you are. And the desire to relate to God just out of the simplicity and the honesty of who they are. I think all of us can benefit from being reminded this is what God asks of us. Just very simply, very honestly, no frills, there's not a lot needed. Just come before him and worship him out of the core of who we are. You know, the nature of the world they're living in, in lots of ways, it, it actually helps form this. Think about this reality. How good is that? You know, day one. Now, how many people, just quick show of hands, how many people would use an app when you read the Bible? How many people would use a, a paper Bible? How many people would use a mix of two? You know, now think about this. I'd probably be a bit in that mixed category. It took me a long time to even kind of be able to use, uh, you know, kind of a smartphone or an app to, to read, read the Bible. But I find it really helpful now um, in lots of ways. But the thing about what they're growing up with. Now, this is a picture of my home screen on my phone. Now, one of the things that I did is I cleared out everything that has red dots. I encourage you to do the same, get that stuff off your front screen. But think about what your screen looks like, and think about what the difference is between when the Bible was a book that was separate from your life and when you just see it right alongside and integrated with everything else that you're constantly a part of. And that kind of shift, everything has its, you know, pros and cons, if you will. But that shift, one of the things that it does is lead to, in lots of ways, the wisdom of grasping that life is meant to be a seamless experience lived before God. Uh, you know, Colossians reminds us of this, for in him, in Christ, all things were created. Not religious things, 
Not some things. All things were created. Things in heaven, on earth, visible and invisible. Thrones or powers, rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him, for him. He is before all things and in him all things hold together. The all things passage here in Colossians that shows the supremacy of Christ over all things is a passage that can remind us that in this world there is nothing which you will encounter, see, experience, nothing which will be created or cultivated which is not uh, created and hold together through Christ. It's all in, through, by, for him. And that means we are to live a life that doesn't divide into kind of uh, religious here, my real life here, secular here, sacred here. We're invited into a life that is seamless in the way we live before God. All of us. And I love that picture that we are called to a seamless life. I'm going to give you one more that these guys get, but this is just, like, helpful. And I just think that's kind of... that. Has nothing to do with anything in my message, but take it home with you, and it's just kind of, you know, just helpful. Uh, now here is here's the last thing that I think is this is uh, this is something that I think all of us can kind of learn from these guys. This one coming up. Uh, here we go. I got one. Actually, we'll, we'll we'll look at this one. I got a few memes here. And that's just give it a clap. Come on, you know, a, this song and you know. This, if you don't know the song Reckless Love, we're going to sing it together a little bit later. But uh, this picture, what I love is this, you know, to warm, my, to warm my heart, to warm my hands, to warm my heart, Reckless Love. The, one of the things that I think is helpful, if you're not part of Gen Z, if you're an older uh, generation of any of them, what you see in this generation that they grasp in lots of ways, maybe because of the unique time and history they're living in, is what it looks like to have a very passionate love for God and a very passionate faith for God. And here is one of the reasons I think you see that happening. 1 Peter 1 says this, In all this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while. Let me hear you say rejoice. 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 You know, we had like a, our, our, our um, sample size of Gen Z rejoicing and rejoicing on stage. This is a generation that gets rejoicing. They get life and energy. And he says, in all this, and Peter is writing here to Christians who were in, they were in exile, they, or not, they were living in an exilic experience. They, they were under persecution. They were outside, uh, living under Rome and persecution, things that were happening. And he says, in all this, all the bad, tough times you're facing, he says, you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief and all kinds of trials. They were experiencing persecution, people coming against them. You could lose your job. You could be spoken against. All kinds of bad things could come against you just for your faith in Christ. And he says, these have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith, of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, so that it may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. And this phrase, the proven genuineness of your faith, you know what all of us are? We are called to a, a, a faith that gets not destroyed by adversity, but refined by adversity. And one of the reasons I think, one of the things you'll see about this generation coming up is there's very little, what we would call nominal faith. Nominal faith is when you're like, yep, I believe it, but it doesn't have a widespread impact on your life. Can I tell you something? In the generation I grew up in, 
it was very easy for me to have a nominal faith for a big chunk of my life because it just wasn't that hard. And it didn't kind of require that much of me. This generation living in this socially networked, globally connected, and in, in an incredibly strong cultural forces that most of us have ne you know, never had to deal with in our childhood and teenage years, you know what it's doing is it's producing faith that is so refined that I look at some of the young people in our, our church family at True North, and I think, I cannot, I, I'm, I'm inspired by your faith. You might be 20 years younger than me, and I'm inspired by how passionate and vibrant and willing to share your faith you are. You know, on a, if you've never, if you're uh, not on, I don't know what channel it goes out through, but every Tuesday on the True North Youth, is that when you do the Tell Your Story Tuesday? You'll see the, the, these, you know, crew, young, uh, our True North crew, uh, youth crew, and they'll share their testimony and they'll be bold and courageous and articulate in how they witness the Christ in a way that I could have never done at their age. The force, it's like there's so much, it, you know, trials, it's producing incredible faith in them. And it reminds me that, you know what, in this world, we are called to have a passionate faith. We are called to not let it be something. Like, we can all learn a lot from what does it look like to go. Because, you know, every generation is always easy. You know, I think that the stereotypical thing used to be like, oh, man, if you just had it like my generation, you don't know how hard it was. You know, anybody ever that? You know, when I was a kid, like, I mean, when I was a kid, I don't know about you guys, but I had to walk uphill to school both ways, 30 to 50 kilometers. You know, I mean, it was and in the snow because it was Akron, Ohio. So... Now, that's the old way we used to look and be like, oh, it was so tough when I was a kid. I look at teenagers and I'm like, man, I cannot imagine if I had to live my, uh, th let's call it 12, 13, right through to 20. Uh, you know, that, who remembers that being maybe a hard time in life? Maybe a little bit challenging sometimes teenagers. That's cool. Somebody had like totally uneventful teenagers. That's awesome, man. That's great. You should teach someone else how to do that. But um, for most people, that's a pretty turbulent time. And can you imagine having to do that when the whole of your life is now virtually documented, videoed, and stored forever in the public domain? Like, I wouldn't be allowed to be your senior pastor. <laughs> Let's just get that out there. You, know, just, you wouldn't want me to be. You know, this, they are going through an incredibly refining experience, and it is creating many places in faith, people with an absolute faith that is like gold. And can I tell you, and this is what I want to finish with this morning, uh, is this is what we know. All of us, every one of us, we are called to create, to take the world being given, to make it better, to do something with it. We should never, as followers of Jesus, live an average life that accepts the world presented to us and does not do something with it. And we are called to a seamless life. Our work, our play, our friendships, our circles, all these things should be seamless in how we integrate what it looks like to live as a follower of Christ. As we do that and do that well, we can expect there will be trials. There will be refining that comes against that. But that's a good thing we can rejoice in because it's going to produce and show that our faith is genuine no matter what comes against it. And that faith is worth more than gold. It's the greatest thing in the world. This means to be passionate, to go, this matters more than other things. 
And it's worthy of my attention and my time and my energy. And we are called, every one of us, to be a passionate follower of Jesus. You know, one of the, the greatest things that we can do as well, if you are not a part of, if you are not between the ages of 7 and 22, although even if you are in there, you'll find ways you can do this as well. One of the greatest things that we can do and do as a church family and do as a community is to go, you know what, how do we love and serve this generation that's coming up? How do we encourage them? How do we take seriously the reality that, one, this is the biggest generation uh, that, uh, you know, Australia has ever seen, that they are experiencing perhaps one of the most, ad most challenging times in history to experience what it's like to try to be a Christ follower from the ages of 7 to 22? And how do we then say, what is our responsibility? And what can we do to invest into them? You know, one of the things I think we can do and wrap our minds around is just to know, do you know what one of, uh, and there's a, there's a new book that's coming out talking about, you know, young people who are making the jump with a robust faith that, that, are, that are ending up like these passionate, you know, uh, world changers for Christ. And do you know what? One of the four most critical factors in their life, the ones who experience that robust faith through those years, is the presence of significant intergenerational relationships. People who are older from another generation who live out a faith worth emulating and stay connected relationally. And, and you can do this. Every one of us can do this by making an effort to get behind and encourage the younger generation. Every one of us can do it just by being present. You don't need special skills. You just need a love for Jesus and a love for young people. It's how we talk around in the cafe. It's how we can get behind, like, later when you floss with them and, and that kind of thing. When you start jumping around in and, and the songs with them, when you just say, man, your jumping's awesome. I wish I could, but I would pull something. Just encourage them. But this is just something we could take to heart. Wouldn't that be a beautiful picture of what the church can be? You know, one of the things I want to encourage you to do as well, and this will be for some of you here, uh, one of the ways we do this as a church, when we think about even our youngest kids, the younger half of this kind of cohort, is our Compass Kids that takes place here every Sunday. Can I tell you something? If you've ever thought, I could never kind of serve in that ministry or, or volunteer there because I'm just afraid of kids and what they might do to me if I gave them glue and scissors. You know, like if that's how you feel or anything, can I encourage you? One of the things we're looking for is 15 people who'd be willing to show up and be present with these kids. Maybe two weeks a month, I think it is, two weeks, you know, or go to one service, come to the other. And you don't need any other special skill than to say, I will be present. I'm older than them, but my sheer showing up over time could be the difference between them actually having that robust faith at 22 or them just getting crushed in the pressure that's on them. And so would you consider... Being one of those 15, if we got 50, that's great. But would you consider going, I could take two weeks every month and I will show up and I'll be present and I'll sit and I don't know what I'll talk about, but I can be there and just at least they'll know I could show up for them. And well, the people over there, they'll tell you what to talk about. There's, it's not a hard thing. What it just requires is presence. Intergenerational relationships is the key to seeing this generation have a robust faith. One of the huge ones. Now, I'm going to pray, and I want to pray for us as church because one of my hopes is that through this, we all appreciate, value, and love one another in fresh ways. And 
that's what, what we're hoping will be a, a part of this. Let me pray for you this morning. Lord, we thank you right now uh, that in every generation, Lord, you are at work. And we know that the picture of the history of humanity on this planet is the outworking of your plans. It's what you have designed. It's the, the world that you have put in motion. And Lord, when we think of Generation Z today, we want to pray especially for them, for our whole church that, that are uh, in this age group, Lord. And we think of just the, the challenges they experience, unique things that have never kind of taken place before. And we pray for all of our young people that God, your spirit, would see so powerfully at work in their lives and so powerfully at work within us that we would love and serve them and be a part of seeing an incredible generation of faith that is raised up. That, Lord, it wouldn't just be the largest generation in Australia, be the largest generation of believers. Then in a time when it felt like oh, everything was crushing against it, Lord, that we would see, oh, faith that has proved of more worth than gold. And Lord, for each one of us in our lives, would you let your spirit work powerfully within us to be your co-creators in this world, to be people whose lives are integrated, to be people who live out a passionate faith for you. Show us how we need to do this. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. amen. I'm going to hand over to one of my other favorite 